This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey. Welcome to episode 18, where we are breaking all the rules in the right ways tonight, because it's 18 and I can do what I want. (laughs) This week should have been Star Fox, (laughs) but we are changing it up because we have a special guest. Greg D. of Central Wisconsin is joining us for a very special topic. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, my name's Greg. Uh, grew up in Central Wisconsin. Uh, I grew up 20 miles north of where Jeffrey Dahmer died, 20 minutes south of where Ed Gein had his farm. Oh, oh, oh geez. The town I grew up <laughs> well. was 1,200 people. <laughs> nothing to do, but... Uh, admire your heroes, I guess. <laughs> um, Home is where he, the heart is, right? <laughs> he, grew, he grew up with posters of them on his wall. In that case, I think the heart is in the refrigerator. <laughs> Pretty much. So on a lighter note, where in geographic relation is this to Chris Farley? Uh, well, it's about an hour north, but Dahmer was only about 35 miles north. I see. Well, I wouldn't say that's really a lighter note. I mean, he's still, like, he died, so... It's well, like a, a slightly lighter note than serious. There just wasn't killer. a hole drilled into his head. Uh, <laughs> on a lighter note, I guess uh, Chris Farley's entombed about a mile from the zoo that's closest to me. So uh, I took my wife and my daughter there on a family outing uh, to Chris Farley's final resting place. <laughs> You went to the zoo after, right? Or did you just tell them you were going to the zoo? (laughs) But I had to answer a lot of questions. (laughs) Could you imagine? This isn't the zoo at all. (laughs) Hey, what kind of crap is this, Dad? This is in the zoo. (laughs) All right. Well, if you missed last week's episode, you should really check it out. When the gang and I talked about my topic, Freaks and Geeks, you can find that episode in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. You know, behind that uh, pile of laundry that's on your floor, uh, under the bed, you know, wherever. Yeah, between couch cushions, yep. they're, they're in there. You will find dating ourselves. Um, well, we really appreciate our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about the show. Um, if you'd like to leave your own five-star written review on iTunes, that would be terrific, and we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So this week's five-star review comes to us from Kyle M. Sullivan. It says, I'm excited to hear more episodes. Keep them coming. Keep <laughs> Apostrophe M. Keep them. Keep them. Keep them. <laughs> well, thank you, Kyle. Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves. Yeah, so let's get started. Uh, this week, Greg and I are going to be leading a discussion on 80s classic trading cards, The Garbage Pail Kids, which, weirdly enough, was also submitted by Greg D. of Central Wisconsin. What a uh, coincidence. So thank you, Greg. <laughs> Thanks for being here no and for submitting such an awesome topic. We're excited to get it started. Remember, we will pick next week's topic at the end of the episode. Uh, Paul, we we know it's Star Fox. Remember, we picked that last week? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to do at the end of the episode, then? Um, It's Uh, just going to be really awkward silence. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I mean, I still have to pick a topic, and then, Greg, you got any ideas? Uh, Pick a new safe word, maybe. Oh, no. I've been meaning to get around to that. (laughs) It's muffin, isn't it? (laughs) It's flugelhorn. 
I have a question I'd like to ask at the end. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. That'll work. Looking forward we'll to it. We'll have a special edition of Nostalgic Combat, but first... Nostalgic Combat! Combat! Let's take it away with some Garbage Pail Kids. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Paul. So Garbage Pail Kids, it was in response to the Cabbage Patch Kid dolls that were very popular in the mid-80s. So it was kind of a mixture of them being super cute and adorable and like the biggest, hottest toy item probably ever. I don't, maybe Tickle Me Elmo's up there or Turbo Man. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of a mix of like that Mad Magazine kind of counterculture spoof type nature. What do, you, what do you guys think about Garbage Pail Kids? Do you guys got any uh, any thoughts you'd like to share? I loved them. I thought they were hilarious, but I also have a pretty dark sense of humor. So <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, they were developed by Tops, which is the same company that does bazooka gum, and they kind of invented the idea of having bubble gum and trading cards like in the same pack and selling those. Um, <laughs> but- I don't know if you can necessarily classify what they had as bubblegum. I'm pretty sure it was basically just insulation in a solid <laughs> form. Because as soon as you started to chew on it, it was going to cut your gums, your cheeks, basically anything <laughs> that... It was like a shard of glass in your mouth. Yeah, but fi- they called it bubble- I mean, it was pink like most fiberglasses, so that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I mean... And that totally makes sense as well, because where it was developed was in the heart of, like, the warehouse district of Brooklyn, New York. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, they probably had lots of asbestos and other things lying around. (laughs) 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 And you could throw a comic strip in with it. And that's kind of where it started was Bazooka Joe and the comic strips and things like that. They then went on and developed... What were they called? The wacky packages, which were kind of making fun of different brands and things like that. So instead of like Pepsi, they had like Pupsi Cola, um, you know, like soda for dogs and things like that. And yeah, so those kind of came and went and they had ebbs and flows. And I'm sure you might all remember Paul mentioning in a past episode his relationship with Topps trading cards of, of the 80s variety. I'm clean now, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> you, you found that uh, that Legazama with the boots? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so they kind of had this idea where there was these late 19th century cardboard advertisements that used to come in magazines and in newspapers and things like that. And they'd have a picture of what the thing was on the front and like a description on the back and so that's kind of where they got the idea of what these things were going to look like and that there were options outside of sports trading cards outside of just baseball and football and things like that so greg um what's been kind of your experience with the garbage pail kids well uh i'm a few years older than you guys so uh the first the first issue i was maybe preschool-ish but I i still remember those coming out uh, I ruined uh, my first headboard, <laughs> not just with Garbage Pail Kids, but other stickers, Ghostbuster stickers and such. But yeah, um, I remember them being big and, you know, being a boy where, you know, yep. the males are supposed to like gross things, dirt, and them being, uh, <laughs> you know, snot, vomit, uh, bleeding. I mean, it was right up a, a young sure, male's sure. Uh, alley, I guess. 
Recently, I saw that documentary, The 30 Years of Garbage Pail Kids. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, really came through in the documentary when they were talking about the creation of Garbage Pail Kids is... One of the quotes I really liked is children's books are really for the parents. You know, they have a nice clear cut message with a moral and they're, you know, guaranteed to help you read. Whereas the products they were making, they were geared toward the kids. And the fact that your parents didn't like them only made them cooler. Yeah, right. oh, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And right. I think that there's a lot that goes into that. So like we mentioned, the Cabbage Patch Kids were absolutely huge phenomenon all on their own. Lines were going down the block at toy stores for people just, just to get the chance of maybe getting a Cabbage Patch doll. So in response, they made these trading cards that were all kind of gross, like Greg mentioned, with like boogers and scabs and stuff like that. And they did pretty well. And then a whole bunch of newscasters and reporters all started talking about how this was just terrible. And they started interviewing, you know, parents and teachers and principals. And everybody was just so grossed out and so worried about the youth. And then they went from doing pretty well to, like, astronomical success. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's pretty awesome (laughs) the big middle (laughs) finger to mom and dad (laughs) so greg how did your parents feel about garbage pail kids were they on you about it or did they just not care i wasn't a huge collector i mean i had several packs but i wasn't a huge collector but uh they sure didn't like their furniture being destroyed by the sticker portion (laughs) Uh, again now i maybe should have saved them uh but yeah they weren't thrilled with that but they're pretty supportive of, you know, most of my ventures. <laughs> Do you remember some of the first sets that you had, like some of the characters at all? Um, well, I watched the same documentary you watched, and I, I remembered, you know, the the, the Atom Bomb card. Mm-hmm. That was on the outside of every package. And then the Leaky... Oh, I don't remember what her name was. It was a female character. I remember that one pretty good because it was pretty disgusting. Leaky Lindsay, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, Leaky Lindsay, yeah. was that it? Yeah. Yep, Leaky yeah. Lindsay, you're right. Yep. <laughs> and then Uzi Susie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But you mentioned the the atom bomb. Um, do you, do you, or, so the atom bomb that was like a Cabbage Patch doll sitting on the ground and it was pushing a button. And if I remember right, there's like a mushroom cloud nuclear explosion in the background. Spot right? on. Yep. Yeah. It's com- it, Isn't it coming out of his head though? The explosion. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a couple chunks of his head. I think in the uh, in the air. <laughs> <laughs> As there should be. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be on par with their stuff. I say, if you had an actual atom bomb go off in your head, you'd be lucky if that's all the damage it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's smiling bad. while he's doing it. <laughs> well, right. he's he's wearing a suit too. Like he's wearing blue dress shorts, a uh, white dress shirt, a blazer, like a blue blazer, and then a tie. And he's sitting there pressing a bomb as an atom bomb is going off in his head. There was one that they had in that documentary, and I don't remember it when I was a kid, but it was called Ronald Reagan. But it was like Ray Gunn instead of Reagan. Yeah, um, yep. And he was like shooting himself in the head with like a, like an alien like phaser gun, basically. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty clever, Ray Gunn. So. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> there was a lot of them that had very um, suicidal kind of themes going on, or, you know? Or de- very destructive, like, you know, an alcoholic or something like that. Like, a lot of destructive behaviors. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, one thing that I always thought was interesting, or, or I thought was interesting after, because I watched the same documentary that they've referenced several times, The 30 Years of Garbage. And one of the things I thought was interesting is the, you know, you have these horrible, disgusting uh, characters and stuff like that that they created. Most of the people that were involved with the uh, Garbage Pail Kids trading cards actually came from, like, traditional tops trading cards. Like, they were working in, like, the baseball card division or, you know, the one Super of the... Super Mario Brothers movie division. <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers. Or, <laughs> that made it uh, later. <laughs> the, this is actually 100% true. Uh, one of the guys was one of the people who worked on the Mars Attacks trading cards, which was, in one of, you know, the movie Mars Attacks was one of our topics earlier. So I thought that was really interesting yep. when I saw yep. that come up. Yeah, I never well, realized that Mars Attacks was part of... So, like, I knew the plot line of the movie came from Earth versus the Flying Saucers, but I never realized the characters and their look came from something else. You know what I mean? That I was kind of right. shocked to see that because I've been collecting Topps trading cards for years, and I never do the sports cards. I always go for, like, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, and, you know, most recently <laughs> Justice League because screw you all, I liked it. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I was really sad that I never knew that was a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I missed that boat, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never realized that. I I remember, I think it was, Greg, was it you that told me that um, there was something oh, about the color yeah, of the, the blood? In the movie, uh, if you recall, the blood of the aliens is uh, red and green. Uh, I guess uh, Tim Burton did that because he was releasing the movie around Christmas time, and he wanted to kind of make it a Christmas movie. <laughs> That's a very Tim Burton <laughs> sense says of humor. Merry Christmas, like the end of the world. I'd say it's got a lot to compete with, you know, It's a Wonderful Life and Die Hard, you know, the, the top two Christmas movies. So. <laughs> I'm going to add it to the rotation for sure, though. Also, I, I'm assuming we're talking about Mars Attacks and not the uh, Garbage Pail Kids movie, correct? <laughs> yes. Well, oh, the 1987 correct. gem. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was a movie in and of itself that was, uh, yeah, as Greg put it, it was a gem. <laughs> I am ashamed to say that I have never seen it. I know it exists, and I may even have it on VHS, but I have never watched it. Oh, it's, man. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. <laughs> it's, uh, it, there's not a really... There's not really a coherent plot, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just difficult to watch. Do you remember the movie coming out, Greg? Because I was very young at the time. Like, do you remember reception or seeing trailers for it on TV? I vaguely remember the trailers, but uh, I, I know I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I don't think trailers could even make me want to see that thing. <laughs> Have you seen it, was, it then? But, well, I, uh, I actually saw it, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago in the $5 bin at Walmart, and I got real excited because I remember the cards, didn't recall that movie, wish I would have saved my $5. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a bad movie when you feel ripped off after spending only $5 on it. <laughs> yeah, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. But going back to what Adam was talking about with the people that were behind uh, the Garbage Pail Kids... Art Spiegelman was one of the co-creators who then went on to create Mouse, which is one of my favorite like graphic novels. It's a depiction of World War II as if the Jews and Nazis were um, cats and mice. It's a very, very interesting read. And I think he won like a Pulitzer Prize or something for it. 
Um, so, I mean, it's very well renowned and he got his start by making, you know, you know, kids crap in their pants and picking their nose and <laughs> selling them with bubble gum. That's how he started his career. It's kind of, kind of uncanny. And some of these guys too were like classically trained artists. What's his face? Uh, John Pound, the one of the original artists, had a background in illustrating the covers of like fantasy novels. Very intricate designs with dragons and shields and swords and all those things. And he's the one who came up with the uh, with the atom bomb, uh, as well as many other classic characters. So it's amazing. It really is. As I was watching the documentary and seeing what some of his work looked like in the early '80s versus the mid '80s, I can't believe that's the same guy. <laughs> and I guess he was saying in the documentary that for a fantasy cover or poster or something like that, that would take sometimes two to three weeks to actually create. Whereas these Garbage Pail Kids, because they wanted to get them to market so quick, he would have to do one of them a day, basically. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and he would just find the time. All right. I got like an hour to sketch it. I got an hour to draw it with colored pencils. Then I got an hour to, or like four hours to paint it. And he would parse it out like, oh, an hour to do this, an hour to do that. It was so regimented and crazy, but that was the only way he could keep up and make sure that he hit his production goals. Man, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Did I misunderstand the documentary, or was he like a solo artist for the first series? Like, was he the only one? That's what I understood, too, is like, it was just him, and then they brought on, I think, Tom Bunk after that from Germany. Um, But yeah, that was my understanding, too, is that he was, like, the whole first series was him. Which is unbelievable, because those are, like, the most iconic ones, and all of those came from the same mind. That's just insane. I do want to say that as I went back and looked through some of the cards, most of the ones that I remember or feel like they had a huge place in pop culture were definitely from that first series. I mean, there mm-hmm. were some there were some great ones, but just seemed like all the ones that like are still I don't want to say relevant, but carried forth um, you know to now. They seem like they the first series was really where it was at. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. I didn't much care for the look that after the 1987 lawsuit by the Cabbage Patch Company, <laughs> where they, you're, they really changed the look, and I don't, I don't know, it lost something, a bit of the magic maybe. Yeah, there, there are some really interesting ones though that I've, uh, I was looking back at some earlier just to kind of see because like I knew the original series, but I wasn't really aware that beyond that there was that many more series and like even as many recent series as there have been. Um, so like I saw one of uh, Hulk Hogan that they did and I'm looking at one right now. It's uh situational Stan and Jersey Jeff. It was uh, like the alternates that they made of it, but it's the same thing. It's uh, a play on the Jersey shore guys, but instead of the guy lifting up his shirt to show off his abs, he's actually lifting up his skin. Oh God. And I've noticed that that's, <laughs> I noticed that's been a theme with some of the later series of cards is instead of like, you know, Superman ripping off his shirt to get to the Superman logo, he's like ripping off his skin or uh, Hulk Hogan, instead of doing the iconic shirt rip, is ripping his skin open. It's kind of weird, a little dark. (laughs) Some of the older series had it too. There was a peeled Paul, I think, from the original series where... A younger guy's looking in the mirror and he's pulling off his skin. Oh, (laughs) jeez. 
Well, and another one that's almost like very recent, they have uh, Tide Pod Rod, which is oh, yeah. exactly what you would oh. imagine is him, like some kid just puking on the floor and puking <laughs> up a Tide Pod. Uh, when I saw that yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, where did that one come from? <laughs> when I saw that being passed around Facebook, I didn't realize that that was a garbage pail kid at first. Like, I knew it was going for that, but I didn't know it was still a thing. I thought they had gone by the wayside, and I was kind of excited to see that that is actually legit and from a series that's still being produced. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, Paul, because uh, Paul actually shared that with Brian and I on a chat one day, like we were, we were texting and he sends that picture. And I was like, Holy crap, Paul, like you really outdid yourself. Like, I can't believe you came up with your own garbage pail kit. It wasn't until like a week or two later when I see it blowing up all over Facebook and all these people are posting it. I'm like, Holy crap, like Paul, that thing's like going viral. And he's like, Yeah, I didn't make it. Uh, okay. I, was like, I wish Man, I could we... claim credit for that. I think the closest I have is I absolutely love the uh, Bruce Campbell Weird Al mashup I did with Dolly the Sheep. That's probably the only artwork I've ever created that I'm actually proud of. Hey, there you go. Well, I came across one, I believe it to be fan art, but uh, there was uh, somebody made one with a propolective up a nasal cavity with a new trend going around and that, that came across my Facebook the other day do you remember the name uh, no I don't I was trying to look it up so I could give you the name but that you're talking about the one where the uh, they're snorting condoms correct right <laughs> they're prophylactics yes that's a uh, 10 cent word <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite cards of notable mention? Brian? Sure. Um, well, I think one of my all-time favorites, going way back to the classics, is, is the Nasty Nick card. The like kind of the Dracula vampire sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that one's pretty cool. I also really found, uh, and this one is one of the newer ones, so after the lawsuit, but I don't think it was part of like the newer 21st century reissue um, is Gary Skull, which is basically Castle Gray Skull. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> um, I thought that, that was pretty cool. But yeah, there's a whole ton of them. They've been uh, they've been spoofing Donald Trump since like you know the late 80s. It's it's amazing how um, I mean, and they continue to do it. Obviously, ever since he had a reality TV show, and then he ran for president, and then he became president. It's amazing how uh, how much he's been in you know tops focus for for, for their projects. <laughs> what about you, Greg? You got a particular favorite one? Oh well, I kind of have two. I like uh, one that's Vincent Van Gone. And uh, it's uh, the young guy that's uh, chopped off his ear. It's kind of got a blurred, like his painted look. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's there's the uh, Clark Work Orange, which is Alex with a glass of milk from Clockwork Orange. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm gonna have to check that one out. What about you, Paul? How about you, Adam? Oh, oh. yeah, Paul. Paul, you go ahead. I'll do mine last. 
Mine is probably the most tasteless one I've ever seen, but I keep going back to it because I laugh at it and I shouldn't. It's called Hole in One is the name. (laughs) I saw that one. (laughs) And it is a little kid pointing a gun at his face and there's a bullet hole through his forehead and out the back. Hole in One. Oh gosh! And, and I I shouldn't laugh at it. It's terrible, but I see it, and it's like first it's the like first it's the shock value, and then it's like oh my gosh, I can't believe they just did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, my my favorite I'll get to in a second, but I I do want to kind of do an honorable mention because uh, if anyone knows Brian and I in particular, and, t- and Paul uh, to an extent too. Um, are very much metalheads. Like we, we love uh, like metal, classic metal, stuff like that. And so uh, the honorable mentions is they have a lot of, uh, I don't know if these are recent. I have to do a little bit more research, but they have some metal uh, band themed uh, Garbage Pail Kids cards. So like uh, one of them that I found during my research was Papa Emeritus from uh, Ghost, the, the, I think, Swedish metal band Ghost. Uh, they have a Garbage Pail Kid of him, the band Mastodon. Uh, they have one called Ast- uh, Aster of Puppets, which is Metallica. <laughs> and then another one that I just found a minute ago is Scuzzy Ozzy, and it shows Ozzy Osbourne eating a sandwich, but the meat in the sandwich is a bat instead of, like, <laughs> deli meat. <laughs> there's a, there's an obscene Gene one, too. That's Gene Simmons. Oh, nice. <laughs> is it focusing on the tongue, or what's the oh, focus Oh, the yeah, like, his tongue is going, like, way down past his base, and, like... And he's got the giant <laughs> spiked boots, and it's uh, it's way less violent than most of the ones that uh that I've encountered. But it's still pretty yeah. pretty awesome. Definitely within the same like art scheme. Nice. Have you guys come across the zombie Robbie one? Oh no, I, I haven't seen so, that. No, I've seen Dead Ted, but I'm not familiar with Zombie Robbie. Well, it's it's clearly Rob Zombie in the old uh, Hellbilly Deluxe makeup in a nice. dragster. Oh, that's awesome. That's really yeah, cool. I, I might have to see if I can find those cards and like start a collection, because those in particular are right up my alley. But um, going back to what my actual favorite card is, there's one, I, the first time I saw it, I legitimately laughed out loud. Uh, it's <laughs> Rocco Sacco, and it shows a boxer that looks very similar to the character you play in uh, Knockout. And there is a gloved hand protruding from the left side of the card, and it's hitting the uh, Rocco Sacco, but his head got hit so hard that his head's actually coming out of his own butt. (laughs) 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 That one cracks me up. Oh, so Harry Potty's a fun one, too. Where uh, Harry Potter's just taking a poop, <laughs> and he's got like toilet paper and a plunger. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> so we've had Adam Bomb, and we've had Peel and Paul, and one of the more iconic ones is Greaser Greg, which is kind of like the uh, if Fonzie was a Cabbage Patch kid with um or with a but- knife in front and the leather jacket and the slick back hair. I was going to say, I thought it was kind of like the Henry Bowers from the original It miniseries. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yes, that's a better way to describe it, for sure. Yeah, because I kind of saw him as, uh, what's his face, John Travolta's character in Greece, uh, Danny... Uh, Zuko? Oh, is it Danny Zuko? Zuko? Danny Zuko, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, I thought it was Danny Zuko, but like in the Beat It music video. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's Adam, that's Adam, me, and Greg. For Brian, I, I suggest all of our listeners try this. What I did is I just went to Google Images and I typed Garbage Pail Kids and then Brian's first name. And the first one that came up is Brian Brian, which is a <laughs> Um, ca- it basically looks like a Cabbage Patch doll in an electric chair with the um, uh, striped jailhouse suit. So I say when we post this episode, I encourage all of our listeners to comment their card as done yes. by Google uh, Image Search. I think that would be amazing. Oh, that would be we'll awesome. We'll make that That's a great. contest or something. See see who gets the best uh, the best card or something. They actually sell Fry and Brian shirts, too. <laughs> like on Amazon, on a few different sites. Hmm. <laughs> that may be something I might be buying someday. <laughs> I was going to say, hold off till Christmas. We'll take care of this for you. <laughs> sure, sure. There also appears to be an alternate one called Brainy Brian, in which uh, Brian appears to be uh, Hannibal lecturing himself. If you guys have ever seen uh, the the Hannibal movie, uh, the the sequel to Silence of the Lambs, yep. it's it's uh, like a mad scientist version of uh, Brian, and he's standing at a table with a syringe and his brain in his hand, as well as something else. I can't quite tell what the other thing is on the table, but his like skull is actually opened up. And his brain is no longer in his head, and he's sitting there, like, staring at his own brain. (laughs) (laughs) There's another one I saw called Dental Hygiene, and and they, like, are pulling a tooth out of this kid's, like, mouth, and they end up pulling his entire skeleton through his mouth. (laughs) And so his body's like an empty, like, sack on, on, like, the dentist chair. Um, so I, I think that brings up, uh, I think this discussion, though, kind of brings up an important uh, kind of piece about the Garbage Pail Kids is that it seems like they really went above and beyond to have like as many different characters that have like a wide variety of names so that it almost kind of like it's it's kind of like the license plates at the store or whatever where it has your name on it. Like you want to find the one with your name. Yeah, like the can of Coke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's pretty cool that they did that because it uh, gets I kid I guess gets kids much more interested in collecting because they got to get you know the Brian or the Greg or the Paul uh, or the Adam or you know whatever it is to to be able to get the one with their name on it. Agreed. Agreed. And per all tops trading cards, you're guaranteed if you buy four packs to have five duplicates. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the one that nobody wants either. Yes. <laughs> it is like, the Cabbage Patch doll car- Garbage Pail Kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing goofy about it. It was just an ironic Cabbage Patch doll eating dinner. <laughs> yeah, and they released different versions around the world as well. And I'm trying to remember what the one was called in Japan, but I found that was really fascinating because apparently those are the rarest to find because in Japan, 
they didn't have Cabbage Patch Kids, so the Garbage Pail like joke was kind of lost on them. In addition, they couldn't necessarily have the same packaging of atom bomb for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> A little culturally insensitive. Yeah, so they had different packaging. Um, to tsunami. Oh, <laughs> Godzilla, Paul. <laughs> oh, that was Toho soon. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's about all the uh the notes that i took i thought that it was really clever that they found a way to kind of have that mad magazine kind of laugh at things um i guess we could talk about the lawsuit though i think that that was a, a very big turning point in the direction that tops was going Mm-hmm. basically there was plenty of evidence supporting that they wanted the Garbage Pail Kids to look as much like Cabbage Patch Kids as possible. And they ran into a lot of sticky issues because parodies in music, in art, in literature, there's a lot of different expression and different protections for those type of uh, expressions. But right. when you have a piece of cardboard that's sold with chewing gum, it's not necessarily protected by the same thing. If if a court deemed that you were damaging another brand's reputation or customer following, that could be big time Boca bucks uh, that you could potentially be losing out on um, in in the courtroom. And that mm-hmm. was something researching it that really surprised me is I think when I, when I think of this stuff, I was like, well, that should be protected under First Amendment. But in this case, it wasn't the product that they were actually selling. They were selling chewing gum and the cards were just sort of a, a value add. They had a term for it that's escaping my mind, but I'm really surprised that it didn't have the same type of protections that, say, a print medium would. Right. Like a book yeah. or a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, and so because of the lawsuit, um, they kind of had to take a different direction with the art and the creative because they couldn't make it look exactly like a Cabbage Patch doll anymore. The fact that they found memos that were written to John Pound saying make it look more like a Cabbage Patch doll, they really had to find ways to uh, mm-hmm. to back off of that. And so instead they tried to make them look like they were really hard plastic instead of the cloth and, and went out of their way to make sure that, like, like the plastic would be cracked and things like that to really it would show make the it, joints. Yeah, to really make it obvious. Oh yeah. Mhm. So the lawsuit settled out of court. I really wonder if it had gone um through to a decision what sort of precedent would have been set by this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that could have really opened up a lot of other lawsuits. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it would have been good or bad because if it had gone through and a precedent had been set, then there would be a guideline for people making a similar type of parody to follow. Mm-hmm. But in, if it had, you know, gone the way that they were okay, same thing. Like any sort of outcome would have set a standard. Whereas I feel like now it's still in kind of a gray area for people like even ourselves who have released parodies of you know movie covers and pop culture online and it makes you wonder like where that falls yeah right and i think that um tops found themselves in kind of a extra sticky predicament because 
that was the thing they were making fun of. Like, yeah, there might be a little bit of a twist on it. Like, oh, they're also making fun of this too. But it was whatever that thing was with Cabbage Patch dolls. Like, everything that they did was always tied back to that. And I suppose if I was the creator or CEO of you know, Cabbage Patch Enterprise or whatever the hell it's called, <laughs> um, I, I might also be kind of like, well, what are you guys doing? What, like, you're not eating my lunch. Like, get get, get the hell out of here. Um, I, I don't know why they'd be so upset because there's no such thing as bad publicity. It just reminds people that the Cabbage Patch dolls are still there. Yeah, and I guess no, that's the other way you have money. to look at it. And we kind of talked about that when we talked about Weird Al is, you know, you know, you could also find that to be really flattering. So, yeah, it might really be upsetting because people are making money by making fun of you. But they're also making fun of you because you're a big freaking deal. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and well, and I can't see that being like a crossover issue. Like, I can't see the same kids that were buying the Garbage Pail Kids collector cards would be the same people that were buying Cabbage Patch dolls. Right. So it's not really like encroaching on their territory or anything. <laughs> right, right. No, and even no the turf wars. <laughs> Even the Garbage Pail creators themselves, I mean, there were points when we were in the documentary where they were talking about how they would bring in Xerox copies of the press releases about how they were getting slammed in the news as being, you know, disgusting and crippling the American family and desensitizing people to violence. And they all thought it was great because it was publicity. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, you know, the more they put it on TV, the more the kids are going to want to buy it because it's counterculture, it's rebellion, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know why the creators of the Cabbage Patch Kids didn't feel it the same way. Because, you know, every superhero needs its anti-hero. Oh, for sure. villain. Absolutely. Any uh, final thoughts? Did you guys catch uh, how much the Tops executives made as a bonus when they released the cards? I don't think so. No. Uh, it was a million dollars a piece. From oh. all the extra money. Did any of that money wow. go to the artist, or was it purely the brass that no, took? No, I, I, I think the artists uh, were kind of hurt because they, they talked about it not coming down. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because oh, <laughs> I remember them, uh, they talked in that documentary about they auctioned off a bunch of the archive pieces, like the original art, and I don't think they ever approached any of the original artists uh, to see if they wanted to claim their own art. Which is kind of crappy. I mean, if if you're uh, you know an artist by hire, I guess that's kind of the the risk that you take is you might not ever get it back because it's someone else's property. But yeah, th- that's th- some of that stuff too. It went for like tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Some of it probably even more. Um, I-, I would imagine that something like a uh, a nasty Nick or a uh, Leaky Lindsay or an atom bomb would probably be worth, you know, six figures easily. Oh, yeah, because like the original iconic nature. Yeah, like the iconic nature of it. Yeah. And something we kind of glossed over that um, I was going to put forward as my final thought is the one thing that I found absolutely fascinating about these cards is each card started as a painting. An actual artist painted it, not a mock-up that went to a graphic designer to put it together with vector art. It was an actual painting, and they did different styles over the different series. And to me, that is just amazing that someone actually hand-painted each one of those characters. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really, yeah. truly crazy. <laughs> like the amount well, of talent. especially, 
Well, and especially when, you know, uh, Brian mentioned earlier that the guy would do it with, like, in a day that he would make these characters. Yeah, he would do it all in one day. Like, and I don't know if that's unbelievable. And I don't know if that was coming up with the idea, too, because if that was the case, like, he was coming up with the idea and then sketching it and then drawing it and then going to a canvas and painting it. The other thing I thought that was really interesting is that the original ones, uh, and they've changed a little bit over time, but apparently those original couple series were all on five by seven cards. I mean, smaller than really? a, smaller than the average piece of printer paper. And wow. to get that amount of detail and stuff like that, grotesque detail at that, um, is, is <laughs> I think, pretty impressive. Very true. All right, so... I guess that wraps up our discussion on Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on? No, no, I, I think I'm good. I, I'm kind of itching to hear that question that Greg has, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. So let's go ahead and jump over to a very special... Nostalgia Company! Nostalgia Company! <laughs> All right, so let's uh, have Greg take it away. Okay, so... Uh... With the Cabbage Patch dolls, that whole uh, Christmas craze that they were talking about, that was actually the first toy craze of the holiday season, and that occurred in 1983. So I looked up uh, from 1984 to 1999. I'm only going to give you three, but I want to see if you guys can put them in order uh, of the years that they were released, you know, from oldest to newest. Oh, and since okay. Paul mentioned uh, the Tickle Me Elmo, that was a must-have one year. Uh, Barney toys were huge another year. And uh, Power Rangers toys were the toy of the year, another. So if you guys want to put those in order, have a stab at it. All right, oh, so man. Uh, hold on. Barney, Power Rangers, and... Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo, okay. I'm going to say that the order that Adam just said them in, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say Barney, Power Rangers, Tickle Me Elmo. I'm going to flip two of them. I'm going to Power Rangers first, and then the whatever one I'm missing. uh, Elmo last, and then the uh, Barney toys in the middle. Okay. I'm I'm messing up. I I feel like Power Rangers was like 93, and I'm trying to remember where Barney came from, because I feel like we were on the backspin of Barney. Like, I feel like Barney was coming in as we were outgoing of that age Yeah, group. it was like my brother's we, age, um, and he's two years younger. We were in the target age group for the Power Rangers, so I'm going to say Power Rangers, Barney, and then Tickle Me Elmo was like 96. So I'm going to say Tickle Me Elmo last and hope I'm not making an idiot of myself. Okay. So me and Paul well, essentially had the same answer. Yes. Well, yeah. Brian had it right. It was, yeah. uh, Whoa! Uh, there aren't that many because a couple went over two years, so I'll just go over them. In 1984 was Transformer Toys. 85 to 86 was the Teddy Rock Spin. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. 88 was the NES. Mm. Uh, 89 was the Game Boy. 90 nice. was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. 92 is where Barney came in. 93 was the Talk Boy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> then 94 was the Power Rangers. 95 was Beanie Babies, if you guys remember that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. oh yeah. That was uh, big. 96 was Tickle Me Elmo. 97, Tamagotchis. And 99 That's... was Pokemon. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. So, actually, actually uh, speaking of Tamagotchis, 
I don't know if you guys ever got this. I know I sent the message to you, but I don't know if it ever actually sent. I was at a GameStop a few weeks back picking up something for one of my controllers, and they actually had keychain Tamagotchi games on sale for 15 bucks. <laughs> so how many did you buy? I didn't buy any, but I was really tempted. $15. Man, I what were they when they came out? Like five or six? Probably, at most. I mean, Jeez. all they were were a little egg-shaped plastic thing that was probably about, what, four inches tall, something like that, with that little... Uh, Ellie, uh, what would that be? LCD screen. Yeah, like like. I love how you're holding your hands in the air and trying <laughs> to gauge the size with your hands because I, the listeners at home can't see it. That's great I, podcasting. <laughs> I don't think they were quite four inches. Four inches is the size of a golf hole cup, and they seemed a lot smaller than that. Oh yeah, you're right. They're yeah, maybe like two, three, two inches, something like that. Are you compensating for something, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I can't put that gesture on the air, that's for sure. No, we cannot. (laughs) Well, I guess that means it's time for the hopper. (laughs) I I think so. We better move on before I lose my cool. (laughs) Uh, You wouldn't like him when he's angry. No. (laughs) We want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss... You can submit those at datingourselvespodcast.com. Well, I'm actually operating the hopper this week, which I'm surprised that Brian let me do it again because it's his baby. But since it's his question, it would be unfair. So um, I probably should have picked these in advance. One moment. (laughs) If I screw it up enough, I won't have to do it again. All right. Your categories are TV series, game show, or board game. Oh, hmm. I just did a game show not that long ago with Carmen San Diego. I also just did a board game with Simon. I don't know. I I guess I'll go. Uh, I guess I'll go TV series. You have chosen Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Inerva is a property of matter. All right, great. Wow, that's exciting. So, I... what's the matter? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I will have Bill Nye the Science Guy. Uh, Adam still has the 1992 Dream Team. And then next week, we will go back to our regular scheduled programming with Paul discussing Star Fox, the Nintendo video game series. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's right. That's right. Well, (laughs) thank you, everyone, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. If you like what you heard, there's more to come. Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show, and check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes... (laughs) 
I should. I <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you know, we need a we need a post uh, get to the hopper too because we completely forgot it this episode. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, but it's okay because we're eighteen and we're breaking all the rules. And I don't know Woo. what I want. We're we're going to Soaring Eagle tonight to gamble because we legally can at that casino. <laughs> In addition to iTunes, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. We post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast, and we're on Twitter at datedpodcast. And before we sign off, once again, a great topic suggestion and participation from our friend Greg D. of Central Wisconsin. Uh, any, any final words before we sign off, Greg? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Oh, it's been a pleasure, yeah, thanks man. thanks for coming on, man. It was a great time. Yeah, we'll uh, have you back anytime you want to come, man. Oh, perfect. Well, remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. See you guys. So long. Hey, there, Chief. <laughs> <laughs>